Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So we are back with another episode of Boots, Balls and Bras. We will be rounding up the WSL fixtures from the weekend. A little bit of controversy in the Continental Cup. So we'll talk about that. And we have a special guest who's going to help me try and find some more insights into the new NUCO takeover of WSL and the championship and what that might look like. I have Emma Sanders joining me to help me get some insights into the NUCO takeover of the women's WSL and championship and to help me get some updates and maybe some info that nobody knows yet about maybe a late transfer deadline who knows we'll find out later on in this show but Emma first let me just give you a quote that we've heard from Nikki Doucette on the interview she's recently had about the takeover of WSL uh, she quote she's here quoted to say we don't have intergenerational fans or fandom there's not there's not interge- uh, intergenerational knowledge of the women's game yet and I think that we are at the beginning of that journey so I think the experience is experience of going to a women's match is kind of like Glastonbury that kind of raised the eyebrows a little bit it's a festival feeling it's welcoming it's fun it's competitive it's passionate and I think people want to be a part of that so more people get to experience that I think more will want to come back and be a part of it so what is NUCO try and like help me and the fans as best as you can because I keep getting asked the question about it and honest to god I have no knowledge of it Yeah, it's quite a complicated one, isn't it? It's essentially a club-led group of people where Nikki Doucette is the CEO, so she heads up the group. Um, The FA will have a share in it. And this company, which has obviously got representatives from clubs across the WSL and the the Women's Championship, um, will basically take over from what is currently the FA's ownership of the WSL and the Women's Championship in the summer so that is essentially the the next six month period is that this company, which has been led by Nikki Doucette with representatives of, of all the clubs will take over in the summer. So that will have a their own private entity in, in a way. So they will be able to set new rules, make changes without basically the FA's say so. Obviously, there's the caveat of the fact that the FA will have a little share still in there. So it will essentially be like what the Premier League is, where the FA have a small share in the Premier League, but it is a private run company. It doesn't have anything to do with the national body in terms of the law setting and the rule setting. So that's the main thing, really. Okay. Um, so how, how does that then, Emma, how does that then affect WSL teams and championship teams in terms of that? Because what they're going to own, so they, they basically own themselves now in terms of what everything that is delivered? Yeah, essentially. Um, obviously, there's there's going to be different stakeholders within that company as well. So there'll be there'll be outside um, input into that. But yeah, essentially, it's the clubs who are going to be making the decisions. So you would like to think that it will have a bit more of a fan voice in there. It will have more of a player led voice in there as well. But I do think there's obviously going to be challenges within that where you're going to have clubs, especially the top clubs. They'll have their own um, personal interests, I'd say. 
and the women's championship clubs will obviously have theirs. So I think that the main thing at the moment is making sure that all clubs are heard and that it's not going to be just the top clubs taking everything. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And I'm not too sure how the board is going to look at the moment. That was one of the questions that we asked Nikki Doucette this week. Um, so yeah, we don't know. There could be, you know, PFA representation on there, for example, but those those little minute details are still to be decided at the moment. Oh, so there's a lot still to be decided. So, but, but in that, because obviously we've seen what's happening in the Men's Premier League. Over the years, obviously, they've run away with all the finances and now they're trying to draw it all back in terms of financial fair play. There's lots going on, teams getting deducted points. We're now in control of, of how the league potentially could look. Now, if you have the top teams that want to compete in Europe, obviously, financially, they're going to want to spend a lot more to enable them to compete. But then in terms of the stability of the league, how do we manage that? both WSL and Championship, because obviously we want the Championship to be more competitive. So when teams do come into WSL, the likes of Bristol are able to compete mm-hmm. on, on an equal playing field. But how, how do you how do you see that going financially, with, you know, with the clubs having more of a say and obviously bigger clubs and lesser clubs within both of those leagues? Well, I think that's one of the big questions, isn't it? And actually, from just hearing the conversations with Nikki Doucette and, and those involved in NUCO so far, which, as, as you say, you know, it hasn't mean too much at the moment. But I do get the impression that there might be separate rules and regulations for the championship and the WSL going forward. That's definitely not confirmed. That's just um, kind of maybe what I've taken from the conversations. And I think one of those would obviously be the, the finances. Um, there has been discussions of introducing things like um, a kind of financial fair play in the women's game as well to, to almost stop the top clubs in the WSL sort of taking ownership of, of all of the players in the league in particular. Um, there's obviously been changes to the homegrown player quota in the WSL and the Women's Championship in recent seasons as well. Um, and then another big impact on the kind of the financial situation will be the new broadcast deal because the current deal, which is um, obviously one we've uh, agreed between the FA, the BBC and Sky Sports, that is set to run out in the summer. Now, there's been conversations, um, according to my sources, that there is a chance that deal might just be extended for another 12 months, um, just to give Nuco a bit of time, really, to negotiate a new broadcast deal. Um, but that is probably their main priority, really, when they take over in the summer. Um, it's Nuco trying to negotiate a new broadcast deal and the breakdown of percentage of what money will then filter down to the championship and what money will filter into the WSL, I think they're the most important parts of, of whatever those negotiations will be. And is there is there consideration then with the broadcasting to show more championship games, obviously to get the talk about obviously the fan base and trying to draw new fans in, which we'll touch on in a minute, but are they going to want the broadcasters to then showcase those championship games in order to get, you know, new fan base or whatever it is on board with those? Is that the idea well, around it? Yeah, I'm not sure in terms of the championship in particular but I know as a whole in terms of the both leagues one of their main priorities was for it to be accessible for everyone and that was essentially their answer to, to my question on the broadcast deal actually was you know are we going to stay with free-to-air tv or is it going to be more about bringing in um, a capital investment or you know doubling the amount of money and they said that the priorities still they felt was was for it to be accessible for people so I think taking from that um, yeah, probably the likelihood of, you know, at least one women's championship game being shown on TV is probably the, the way that they're they're going at that. OK, so we have to address, obviously, the comments because I've had loads of tweets or in, in, inboxes around the Glastonbury Festival feel. Um, 
in the interview, obviously that was a comment that Sachi wants to make it feel. Those that are hardcore Glastonbury fans knows what goes on at Glastonbury. Those that aren't and watch on the TV will obviously see it as a, a fun festival type feel. But what was your take on that? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to know what you get up to at Glastonbury, but I, yeah, I don't. Reason, I, I, know, I know what people do get up to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, at football games, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No, it, it was one of those sound bites, wasn't it? That I think, yeah, even when she said it in the round table, I think a few of us were, were a bit confused by it. But um, I think in the overall conversation, what she was trying to explain was that the men's game is very much, it's an experience where it is purely around, um, you know, the football, it's going to watch the football and then it's, it's, it's going back home. Um, obviously, the league itself is kind of dominated by the business side and the money side. And the overriding message from Nikki Doucette is that she, while there's obviously pros to the way that the Premier League has gone about the business, there's a lot of cons there as well. And she thinks the women's game and the whole match day experience um, can be different to the men's. So she wants to see it as a whole package and not just um, about, you know, the 90 minute football match. She wants to see it about everything around that. So obviously, I'm sure people will have their own opinions on that. Um, but that was kind of what I think she was trying to explain with the, with the whole Glastonbury thing. So would that be their drive then? Because you know, you know how it's been for, for, for forever since I've played the game or known about the women's game and the men's game. They've always been compared. Let's do this because the men do it. Let's get this sports science into the game because the men. Let's get this. You know, everything has kind of tried to mirror the men's game. As you mentioned there, I think the games are too to or need to be seen as too to totally different. Although the tactics and the technical ability, like te technical stuff, has to be the same because the rules of the game are the same. But in terms of like the fan base and and all of those things are so different. So. You, do you see it as a good idea that we're kind of going to move it away from actually what the match day experience is like for a men's game compared to a women's game and stop comparing the two? Yeah, I think it's definitely right that we don't compare the two. Um, I'm probably somewhere in the middle where I think I'd like to see us at some point um, focus on the football. You know, I'm, I'm kind of at the point now where we're in a professional elite sport and it should be about the football. So for me, that should be the number one priority. And I think that's what the men's, do, men's game does well. Um, I'm less bothered about everything around it, but I also appreciate that um, the women's game is different and I agree it should be treated differently. And this is something that I know is the absolute priority. And this is so, so key from all the conversations with Nuko, with Nikki Doucette, um, with Baroness Sue Campbell as well. Um, obviously, who's who's sort of been needing women's football um, at the FA for, for decades now. Um, for them, it's, it's all about making sure that the women's game is treated um, in its own entity and that it is its own um, product, it's its own business and it's its own sport. Yes, it's obviously um, got a lot of parallels with the men's game and a lot of clubs will look to their sort of Premier League owned or Championship owned, etc. Men's counterparts, at the end of the day, they want women's teams to be sustainable, they want women's fan bases to be sustainable and they want the women's game to be marketable in its own right. So I think they're the, they're the key priorities for Nuka. Cool. So... I'm going to give you two more questions on this before we talk transfers. But players have always been the drive behind trying to get fans, you know, bums on seats at, at games in terms of through their socials, really trying to engage with fans to get that happening. How will that then change? Because, it's, you know, at some point it's not got to be player responsibility and clubs need to invest in marketing people in order to market the game correctly to get the fan base in. Has there been conversations around that? I think that's more within clubs themselves. So this is where I think we might see the impact of whatever the, the new broadcast deal will be, because that will inevitably bring in um, new investment. I think no matter whether they stick with free to air or, or they you know, move, move away from that, I think 
we're pretty much guaranteed that we, we know the new broadcast deal would bring in more money, right? So obviously that money's got to go somewhere um, because it'll be obviously a club-led entity, um, NUCO. Obviously a lot of that money you would like to think will go directly to the clubs themselves. So therefore they can choose what to do with that. For me, my big argument for quite a while now has been building infrastructure around the women's teams. So I think we're at a point now where um, the players and the coaching staff are at a good level in terms of the the support. And a lot of the clubs have quite good resources now in the top league. Obviously, the Women's Championship still has a long way to go, um, but certainly in, in the WSL. And for me, it's it's those little bits around it. So it, it's things like, like what you mentioned there. And I think that's where it would be interesting to see sort of how that money is used. For sure. Final question. Should we be excited about this new takeover? For women's football fans that are out there listening and are in that kind of like, what is going on? What's going to happen? Should we be excited or shouldn't we? I think we should be excited because at the end of the day, it's a clean slate and there's lots of things that can change. And I think that's always a good thing. When you have the opportunity to change things for the better and make your own direction of it, I think that's a good thing. Um, I'm sort of slightly hesitant in that I think a lot needs to be done. And if they're taking over in six months' time, I want to see a lot more get done. So I'm just a little bit wary of that. But I think we should be excited. Perfect insights, what we need. And I'm sure that's what the fans would want to hear anyway. We're moving on to the transfers because we had a, a massive transfer um, go through literally a few days ago with Chelsea signing Ramirez. I think I'm not even sure what it's reportedly between 385k and what is it, 40, whatever it is. Oh, and add ons of 43k. So around the 400 and something thousand pound mark for um, a player to join, you know, WSL team. So it's a record fee in terms of buying somebody in. What's your thoughts around that? And when do you think we'll see a million pound player? In the women's I don't game? think we're that. Yeah, you know what? I don't actually think we're that far off it. Obviously, we saw the likes of Arsenal make world record bids for both Russo and Marriott. Obviously, Chelsea have thrown the money away. And, you know, I, I actually reported yesterday that Man City have bid 200k for, for Aston Villa midfielder Laura Brown, who's a 20-year-old. No, news. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the type of money that's now being thrown around by clubs, I don't think it will be too much longer. Because there's a monopoly effect on that as well. You know, any time a player is sold for a big price, they then have money to spend. So, mm-hmm. you know, even you look at West Ham, they're second bottom in the WSL and they've gone and brought in three huge signings this this January and um, they're not done yet. So there you go. That's another one. Um, my what season. Really on? Well, they're, they're in negotiations with the new forward at the moment. Basically, the players that have gone out um, enables them to bring players in. So Izzy Atkinson left um, earlier this week, which means they have room for another forward to come in at West Ham. So I'd keep an eye on them tomorrow, basically. Um, oh, good insight. But okay, so so the, the, look, over 400 fouls, bidding needs, because obviously when Arsenal bidded it in the summer, obviously a club like Man United didn't need 500,000. Them throwing 500,000 away for a, a striker like Russo that obviously helped them, you know, get that uh, Champions League spot coming into the mm-hmm. season, it was worth keeping her for six months, right? Because for Man United, what they put into the women's club, for example, them losing 500,000 doesn't really make a difference to them. But what does that mean? And what's the knock-on effect for other teams around them trying to compete? So the likes of Aston Villa, for example, trying to push into that or Everton trying to push into that or Leicester. How do these teams compete with teams that are able to not only... Pay, pay players or pay clubs that amount of money to bring top players in but then obviously the salaries then you know you know god knows you know what to think what these players are coming in on so yeah well, how do the other clubs compete how does that look for the smaller clubs within the within the league 
Yeah, it's a million-dollar question, really, and I think that's why we've seen the likes of Aston Villa in particular invest in their in their academy. Um, Liverpool and Everton have both invested in their academies, and I think that's where you hope that maybe you'll produce a player that, obviously, in the long run, you'd like to keep them, but at the end of the day, if you can sell them for a fee, even if it starts at 50k and then it grows to 100k, then those types of players that you can sell on and, and make, make profit off eventually will give you a little bit of money in the bank that you might be able to go out and buy, you know, a, a, a big name player that might just take you over the line. So that's kind of what Villa did a little bit with Rach Daly. Um, obviously, just before the, the Women's Euros, they signed her before England had even kicked a ball. So they got her for probably a, a far cheaper price than they would have done if they'd waited until the end of the summer when she was a European champion. Um, but they obviously paid a little bit of money for her and then, you know, I, I think it was reported at the time. If not, um, there was obviously some big offers that came in for Rachel Daly last summer as well um, from some of the top clubs in the WSL and Aston Villa chose not to not to sell, but they could have obviously made a profit on what they brought her in for. So I think it's a mixture of kind of shrewd recruitment and maybe the selling on fee and actually making a profit off the players once you've maybe got something out of them and also investing in the academy so that you can produce talent that will bring in money as well. Yeah, my only worry around it, obviously, when I was at Reading and, you know, we had a really good season when I'd signed there and and then trying to continue that competitiveness and try and compete in order to bring players in, the salary demands are so high that for the smaller club to pay those, you know, demands of the player, for example, so that they can compete. You know, you've seen what happened to Reading. They've gone down they're in a really financial difficult situation, both men and and women. But that knock-on effect of really trying to over-budget in order to keep yourself competitive within the league. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is that not a worry within the WSL, you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was a, it's a worry in the Women's Championship as well. Like Liverpool, the season that they won the Women's Championship, their, their wage bracket was way higher than anyone else in that league. So obviously they were able to attract WSL quality players to play in that squad. And that's without even obviously factoring the fact that it's Liverpool, they've got a brand and they've got, you know, they've got good facilities. But I, I think we see that basically from the bottom half of the WSL downwards. I think that's a problem. Um, and that's something that obviously Nuco will need to address and, Hopefully, you'd like to think this broadcast deal will will mean that every club gets a decent share of the pie. Um, yeah. But who knows? Who knows? Right, transfers. We've been talking about it for the last three or four weeks on the podcast. Mary Earps, Ellie Robot, the goalkeepers, everybody's talking about them. Do you have any information? And do you think we will see Mary either in an Arsenal shirt this January or come the summer? 
So Ellie Robock, is she going to Barcelona? There were some rumours yesterday out on Twitter. I see it's nearly, there's negotiations going on. And obviously the Mary Earps, it's been lingering since the summer. Can you feel like yeah. yeah, I don't think there's actually any change in terms of Mary Earps' situation. Obviously, she's still in those contract negotiations with Manchester United. It's not been ruled out that she'll stay at Manchester United. And I think that's the key thing to remember, actually. I wouldn't genuinely be overly surprised if she actually stayed there. Um, really? The you wouldn't be yeah. surprised? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm just saying yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I, I've kind of got it at maybe a 60-40 at the moment, maybe 40% her staying in my head. Staying, but just until the end of the season or staying on after that? Staying on after oh. that. I, I, mm. I, I think it wouldn't be out of the question. Um, but obviously, that you know, there's been interest from, from clubs elsewhere. Obviously, Arsenal's is, is, you know, everyone knows about their interest. Obviously, you, I think they're probably favourites to get her in the summer on a free if she does decide to leave. And then, you know, there's obviously been interest from Paris Saint-Germain as well. But, um, yeah, I think that one's basically... Right now, do you see her in an Arsenal shirt next season? Yes. OK, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I would say, yeah. Yeah, probably 60% of me think she'll be at Arsenal next season. But, um, yeah, I'm just wary of that going around on social media as a clip now. Um, but, no, yeah. I think that's what we all kind of think, you know, is she going to go there? Um, yeah, it's an obvious thing, kind of similar to what the Russo happened a year ago. So it's not like yeah. it's not like you're you're breaking any news to us. It's an opinion. So those of you that are listening, it's a opinion of what we think. <laughs> but Ellie, what's going on with Ellie? Because as I said last night, I saw late on the um, Twitter that there's negotiations happening between themselves and Barcelona. Is that right? Or you know? Yeah, that's that's exactly my understanding. I think the Ellie Robert situation is probably a little bit further down the line. Obviously, um, I think she is keen to leave Manchester City she's not come out and said that publicly herself but I think you know judging by kind of conversations with with those within the club and obviously what she's maybe said in interviews it's quite obvious that that she's she wants more game time and her England career is obviously something that's really important to her so um, I think in an ideal world she would have wanted to leave in January that isn't off the cards yet those negotiations are still happening but I think um, Barcelona are looking to maybe shift the player beforehand um, so what I do know is that, you know, Sandra Panos has actually received a bit of attention and a bit of interest from some clubs in the WSL. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens there. I don't think anything will happen in the next 48 hours, but um, perhaps Ellie Robot will wait until the summer and, and join Barcelona then. What I can tell you from my understanding is that I don't think she has signed any pre-contract agreement. So she hasn't signed anything to say that she will be joining Barcelona in the summer um, as of yet. But yeah, I I would definitely keep a close eye on that in the next sort of forty eight hours because I I think there's still a possibility that she can leave in the in January, although probably unlikely. Cool. And so, final question before I let you go is: What have you what has your assessment been of the the transfer window this January? And also, is there any last minute deals that you expect to maybe go through, or nothing that you can share with us? Yeah, well, obviously, I've shared, shared a little bit. Um, I think, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, um, I expect Leicester's, Leicester youngster Monique Robinson to join Burnley on loan. So that's third tier side Burnley. I think that will go through today. Um, I think West Ham will bring in a forward, um, perhaps one other. They're still in, obviously, negotiations now, but they're pretty hopeful of getting that one over the line before tomorrow's, uh, before the deadline tomorrow. Um, Brighton should have one, maybe two coming in. Um, Melissa Phillips has been quite open about that actually so that's that's not I'm not going to claim that as my intel that's um, yeah Melissa Phillips has kind of teased that up um, 
Man United are looking for a defender. Um, but they've been quite desperately looking for a defender, particularly this weekend. I heard about a fullback, a young Chelsea fullback that potentially could be going to England. Ah, oh, well, you know more than me there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there was a rumour of a they've, fullback. They've got, they've got five defenders at the moment and they're, they're keen to have six at the end of January. So, yeah, um, yeah that'll be good. And a young fullback. So I don't know how, how true that rumour is, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, obviously, keep an eye on City with that situation with Laura Brown at Villa. My understanding was there was a release clause in um, in um, Laura's contract at Villa. So essentially, if Man City's fee, which pretty sure it will be over that, um, mm-hmm. if it's over that, it's it's kind of down to the player to decide whether or not she wants to leave. Um, not really much Villa can do about it if she decides. So definitely worth keeping an eye on that one. Um, any others that I can think of? What about the Buhardi one? Sarah Buhardi to Arsenal, is that? Gone through that's, or been, not? that's been confirmed in the last uh, half an hour or so, so that's done and dusted. So I believe that isn't so quite a six-month deal. Mary at the end of the year then? Because Bihardi's not a bad keeper, by the way. Well, my understanding is that might only be a four-month deal or around okay. four months. Um, so I don't even think it will take us through to the end of the season. I think it's purely to cover um, Serena D'Angelo's um, absence when she's at the Gold Cup between February and March. So... Um, Obviously, they, they could choose to extend that. But as it stands, I think Bihadi's going to be there until about April. Cool. What about Bristol? Are they, I know they brought Lisa Evans in. That's a good sign in in terms of WSL experience. Huge character. Yeah. Uh, some of the young players. Have they got any anything rumoured on them? I haven't heard any names, but I do know that Bristol will be... They'll be looking up until the deadline tomorrow. So they've definitely got um, a few positions or a few players that, that they've got their eye on. But unfortunately, I can't, can't help with any names there. Useless. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no. Honestly, everyone, it's been brilliant, and I'm sure our listeners will, yeah, be grateful for all the insights. I certainly am, because as I said, I know nothing about it. I'm being asked questions about Nuko. Know nothing about it. I'm, I'm, yeah, a bit like you, a bit like excited, but kind of like apprehensive. Like, what's going to happen? How is it going to yeah. look? Yeah, because obviously we've seen what's happened over the years in NWSL when you know all these franchises have taken over. They went literally they was it bankrupt or some of the clubs went bankrupt they actually folded for a, a short period of time they come back and it happened three or four times before yeah. they have the structure they have now um so yeah i mean i'm excited but i'm also a bit nervous because for me we're forever pushing and driving the, the future of the game and you know you, you hear the players continuously say it's about inspiring the next generation um i hope we don't mess it up so there is no next generation of players experiencing what we are now yeah um, absolutely but yeah fingers crossed i mean look it's there's no point in, in worrying about something that we don't know enough about at the moment is basically my mindset. This is true. This is true. So anyway, thank you, Emma, for, for joining us on Boots, Balls and Bras. Um, and that's it. That pretty much rounds up our episode of Boots, Balls and Bras for this week. So thank you for listening. Any questions, throw them in. Any questions for Emma, we can add her with it and she can answer them because I won't be able to. <laughs> Thanks <Nah>. again, guys. <laughs>
pretty much, you know, setting the stall right from right from the beginning of the game. Um, and as I said, the standout player for them has been Lauren James. Really nice to see that Frank Kirby is back playing in that Chelsea team. And, you know, is that something that Emma might be looking to in, in, in you know, the short term while Sam Kerr is out injured? You know, they made a huge signing, which we'll talk about later on in the show. But yeah, three new winners at Brighton. I'm not sure what that says for Brighton. Um, started the season really well, but yeah, haven't been able to pick up too many points of late. Um, kind of see themselves uh, mid to bottom of the table. So that was a, a big win again for Chelsea, keeping themselves three points clear of the chasing pack in Manchester City and Arsenal, who both won at the weekend. Arsenal beating Liverpool away 2-0. Vivian Miedema getting her first goal since December, I think it was 2022, so a long time, obviously returning from that ACL injury. Uh, nice to see her back on the score sheet and, you know, the, the standout player, I guess, in that game was their new signing, Emily Fox. Um, yeah, she just looks like she's been there for a long time. A player that I didn't know much about uh, before she came to the WSL. Um, really popular player. I know lots of, you know, WSL fans know a lot about her. I was excited to see her in the league, but performance was phenomenal and I think it's something that Arsenal have definitely been missing. Um, very front-footed, full-back, aggressive, likes to carry the ball up the field but um, yeah, not just carry the ball, she she seems to find the right passes in the right area. Um, so she was a standout and, and deservedly got a player of the match in that game. Liverpool still sit mid-table, um, I don't expect that they thought they would take points off Arsenal so they're probably there or thereabouts where they thought they might be, I'm sure Matt Beard the Liverpool manager will think otherwise. But Manchester City beating Tottenham away 2-0. Again, and you know, keeping the chase on Chelsea at the top of the league. Uh, Bonnie Shaw again, you know, showing what she did. But there was some disappointing news coming out of the Manchester City camp this week with the ACL injury to Jill Rudd. So another ACL injury to a big-name player. Um, yeah, really disappointing to, to have heard that news. Somebody that I think has had a huge impact in this Manchester City team since her signing in the summer. She'll be a massive miss. There's been some rumours, speculation about Manchester City maybe signing a midfielder before the window closes. Other standout games, Leicester finally getting a win after nine games. They beat Everton away. Everton haven't, you know, been able to find any sort of form. And yeah, Leicester going away to Everton and picking up three, three points is huge. Um, question marks for me still around the Everton manager, you, you know, and what are the expectations at the club? They were a team that I played for for a long period of time. It was always an ambitious club. I know they, they spent a lot of money on, on transfers over the last couple of years and also with their manager. So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks over Everton. What do the fans expect from them? What do the club expect? Are they comfortable where they're sat in the table? Um, these are things I'd like to hear from the fans. What do the fans think about Everton's season so far? For me as a former player, um, it's a disappointing one. The big game of the weekend was the bottom of the table. It was Bristol against West Ham. West Ham making, you know, free summer, uh, sorry, free January transfer signings. I think they've, uh, they, they've certainly, you know, ha had a huge um, impact on the team. They they beat Bristol away 2-1. That was a big six-point night, you know, puts them three points ahead of Bristol in that relegation battle. And um, I'm sure it gives them some momentum to really kick on and try and pick up some points. So I'm sure... You know, Rianne Skinner will be happy with the three points, but they have a big game at the weekend against Arsenal, um, where if Bristol are to win their fixture, they you know, could go again level on points. So really competitive down there at the bottom of West Ham and Bristol, but three points went to West Ham. And then the Man United, Aston Villa, my friend Nikita Paris, again, getting on the score sheet. A player that I think the more she plays, the better she gets. 
you know, that rhythm when she's playing in the team. Um, yeah, you can see certainly yeah, a consistent player once she gets uh, a run of games and uh, again scoring. They run out winners 2-1 against Aston Villa, um, which we'll talk about Aston Villa later because there was some controversy around them in the Continental Cup, which I'm sure Man United fans won't be happy about. But yeah, still fans are calling from uh, Mark's, Mark Skinner's head, um, still wanting him to ask him the questions as to whether he's good enough to stay at Man United. Um, obviously, Man United fans expect a lot. Um, they're not happy with how the team are performing. But for me, that was a big three points from Manchester United beating Aston Villa. Rach Daly getting a late penalty there in that game. Um, so she's obviously still scoring. But again, Aston Villa fans, what do you think about your team, where they're at? Yeah, we heard Carla Ward's comments after the game, saying her team was in, in it for much of the game. Um, and when you don't take your chances against big teams, you get punished. And she felt that's pretty much how the game went. Um, so that pretty much rounds up the WSL for the weekend. Um, obviously, always want to hear your thoughts, opinions of, of those games. Um, if you listened to the show last week, you will know that Leanne Sanderson predicted all of those scorelines or results, should I say. So if you was to have copied Leanne's accumulator, you would have won yourself a little bit of cash at the weekend. So well done, Leanne. I, again, of course, got it wrong, um, as I have done the whole season. So I'm hoping with my predictions... For this coming weekend, um, maybe I'll get a little bit closer to a win. But the Continental Cup, we was talking and obviously Aston Villa played Sunderland in, in a group game uh, in the midweek and they played an ineligible player. So Moritz, who signed from Arsenal, had obviously played in the group games for Arsenal. They fielded her against Sunderland in the tie and the FA decided to deduct the three points from Aston Villa award the three points to Sunderland, which meant Sunderland won the group and approved to the quarterfinals. And Aston Villa ended up as the best runner-up, best runner-up in that, which meant Manchester United sadly went out of the cup. So for Man United fans, let us know your thoughts on that. I mean, for me, it's a little bit crazy. I guess, you, you know, when I've played football over the years, if you've played an ineligible player, normally the points go to the opposition. And that's it, a little slap on the wrist. Um, but obviously, the, the impact it has on Man United, you know, out of the, the Continental Cup quarterfinals now, obviously, the out for me, in terms of the title race, out of that. Um, what's your thoughts around the decision? Carla Ward obviously making a second mistake, or her team, you know, whether it be the, the staff, um, making a mistake in fielding, you know, Maritz in that game. that She had the same mistake, I think, if I'm right, at Birmingham, not so long ago when she was the manager there. Uh, the same happened. Um, yeah, so just let me know your thoughts on that. But I will give you my prediction for match day 13 um, WSL fixtures. So it's Aston Villa against Bristol City. I'm going to go with Aston Villa win. We've got Manchester United against Brighton. I'm going to go with a Man United win. West Ham Arsenal. I'm going to go an Arsenal win. Manchester City against Leicester. I'm going to go with a Manchester City win. Liverpool against Tottenham. Oh, this is a tricky, tricky one. Liverpool's at home to Tottenham. Do they win or is it a draw? I'm going to go with a Liverpool win and then Chelsea at home to Everton and I will go with a Chelsea win. So that's my predictions for the weekend and pretty much rounded up the WSL. But let me know your thoughts of what you felt and how you felt the fixtures went. The Chelsea running away with the league. Are Bristol down and out? What do we think of Everton and Aston Villa with the investment they've had wherever they're sitting in the table.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.